Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another long-awaited episode of the Judgment Call podcast. It has been a month since I've hopped on this joint, and within that month, everybody by now knows that the world seemingly may not go back to normal, but I think it will. Maybe not the sports world as we know it. They could start hosting events without fans. It it might get really weird, but wherever I've been, I've been perfectly fine. I've been perfectly healthy, in case you were curious. Uh, But I did go on vacation. The last podcast came out on March 14th. I think on the 15th or the 16th, I left to go on vacation. I was out of town until like the the 22nd, 21st. So that was that. And then when I came back, I had a whole bunch of work to do for school. So I've just been out. I've, I've had this podcast written since the 19th. I actually wrote this thing. So I guess I went on vacation the 19th. I'm pretty sure I wrote this the day that I left and I came back on like the 23rd. So I went on a little vacation, had this written for a while, but had a lot of work to do. So I haven't had a chance to record. Now I finally got most of this stuff settled down. I get to sit down, relax, record talk about some stuff that I've missed. I've missed plenty. I'm not going to talk about plenty today. I'm only going to talk about free agency because of the draft. This The timing is really good right now. I don't really want to talk about how the NBA can shape up when it comes back. I don't really want to talk about anything else right now except for free agency because I haven't got to talk about it. And I really wanted to talk about it because for some reason, there's still some huge dominoes left to fall. Still plenty of solid talent left on the free agent market that I don't know if it'll get resolved before the draft begins. The draft is in about six days now, so I don't think it'll happen. But right for now, free agency is effectively over. Even though we may be without sports for a few months, the draft may tide us over for a little bit. Thankfully, this is going to hold me for a little bit, not too long, but we'll see how it goes. But for now, we still have, in my opinion, maybe seven huge dominoes left in the free agency market and the biggest one right now is cam newton is an available free agent at the time of me writing this cam newton was going to be available for trade they were trying to find somebody to take on cam newton in his contract given his injury history and see if they could take on cam newton and make them their his starting quarterback but the panthers ended up releasing him which probably caught a lot of people off guard maybe not too many people with insider knowledge but as far as i'm concerned they kind of did Cam Newton dirty. I don't know. I, I don't know any Panthers fans at all, but if a Panthers fan wants to reach out to me and like give me their perspective on how the situation went down, I would really appreciate that. But from the outside looking in, they did Cam dirty, man. It, they they tried to come out and say that uh, Cam Newton is going to be our starting quarterback. I remember Matt Rule had to say something like, oh yeah, Cam's a great guy. We love Cam. We want Cam to be our starting quarterback. And then a couple of days later, the news got out that they wanted to trade Cam. And then they ended up cutting him. I, I think that's that's dirty. That's not how you treat a guy that won an MVP in your team's colors and then the same year took you guys to a Super Bowl. You guys almost went 16-0. And you honestly maybe would have won the Super Bowl if you gave Cam Newton some weapons and didn't have him out there throwing to Stonehands, Tone, Ted Jinn. It was, it's just I don't really like the way the situation was handled. But at the same time, there are plenty of teams that Cam Newton can go to and be immediately effective day one. Like, learning the system, I don't know if the NFL season will still start on time, but he'll have plenty of time to learn the system, plenty of time to get his own reps in, plenty of time to learn the playbook. I think that would be fantastic if he went to certain teams, like the Patriots need a quarterback. 
the Redskins, I like the thing is with Cam, I don't know if he'd go to a team that's rebuilding or I don't know if a team that's rebuilding or has a lottery pick in this draft would take a chance on Cam Newton and give him that money. So the Dolphins, the Chargers, the Skins, I don't think any of those teams would go after Cam Newton. I think the Dolphins are still going to draft Tua. I don't really care what is coming out that teams are trying to pass on Tua because they're nervous about his injury history. I don't really care about the skin saying, oh, we kind of want Tua. We're looking into Tua. I don't really care anything about that. I don't think either of those teams will take a chance on Cam Newton. I think the Dolphins will get Tua without having to trade up. If they do, they'll probably trade with Detroit at three. I think the skins are going to take Chase Young. So it would be interesting to see if they would go after Cam Newton because of the Ron Rivera and Cam Newton dynamic that they had back when they were both still in Carolina. That would be very interesting to see. And then the most interesting spot for me at the moment would definitely be going to the Chargers just off the strength that I think that that team is definitely primed for a deep playoff push given the structure of where the, the, the given how the roster is built at the moment. So at, at the time of me recording this, they have everything they need. They still have the sixth pick in the draft. They have incredible weapons. They've just, they tagged Hunter Henry. They still have Austin Eckler. They gave him a very team-friendly deal. They let go of Melvin Gordon. Great. He wasn't worth the money. They still have Keenan Allen. This is a very good team. The only weakness of this team that I can see on the offensive side of the ball is their offensive line has some holes, but they did finesse Carolina and got a great trade out of them for an offensive lineman. So the Chargers, I think, would be the best fit for him. I'm not sure what kind of system the Chargers run. I could always go back and watch the tape and see what kind of system they run. But even then, you could always accommodate for Cam Newton and him being able to be dynamic with the ball, escape out of the pocket. And then that defense with the sixth pick, if they don't go offensive lineman, which I don't think they would if they got Cam Newton, they could easily, easily, easily get Isaiah Simmons with the sixth pick, bearing that the Giants don't take him and go offensive line like they should. If the Giants skip on him, I don't think the Lions would take him at three. I think their needs more. They need corners more than they need a middle linebacker. It. I don't think the Dolphins take him at five. It would be a match made in heaven if you can get Derwin James and Isaiah Simmons on the exact same team. And then they had they hit on their draft picks last year. I don't know how good they'll turn out, but I don't know, man. Jerry Tillery up the middle. Then they have Nasir Adderley. I don't know how good he'll be, but he'd be back there. And then you have two guys that you can plug and play in the box or out in the safety position with Derwin James and Isaiah Simmons. It, I don't know, man. That de- that defense would be fantastic. But that's why I think that's why I think that would be the best place for Cam Newton to go. But outside of that, uh, the Patriots do to the quarterback, like I mentioned. They don't have Tom Brady anymore, which is probably the highlight of free agency. I don't know what they'll do. The Patriots do run things kind of unorthodox. They run things in the Bill Belichick way where he makes the decision. He has complete control over the roster. They're going to do what he wants to do. I don't know if they're eyeing a guy in the draft. I don't know if they're going to trade up. I don't know if they have a guy in mind that they think they can get in the later rounds. But I think Cam Newton in a Patriots jersey, it may be more of the same where, hey, Cam still doesn't have those weapons just like he didn't in Carolina. But Cam Newton is a good quarterback. I don't know why people are acting like Cam Newton is not a good quarterback. He just happened not to be a fit for the direction that the Carolina Panthers are going, which I understand. They're trying to rebuild. They're trying to get young. And Cam Newton is injury prone. He's not old, but he is 31. He probably doesn't have as many years left as the rebuild in Carolina is going to take. So I get it. But 
with the Patriots, if they still wanted to remain competitive and not have Jared Stidham as their quarterback for the next year, then I would definitely consider Cam Newton. And then there's one team I'd just really like to see him here, but it can't happen. This literally will not happen. It cannot happen, if, one, because of the cap, two, because their starting quarterback still happens to be Ben Roethlisberger. But Ben Roethlisberger is getting old. I don't know if he's going to be in shape by the time the season comes around because during the season when he was on the sideline with the headphones on and the, the full beard on the sideline, he looked like Matt Patricia. So I don't know how in shape he's going to be, but I would definitely love to see Cam Newton play for the Steelers, play with Juju Smith-Schuster, play with Zach Gentry, play with all of those guys in that defense. I think that would be interesting to watch. I don't know, but that would be pretty cool to see. So right at this moment, that is the biggest domino and free agency still left to fall. But then there are still plenty of other ones. So the, most of the top edge rushers are still on the board. So the biggest one of them all is Jadavian Clowney. Jadavian Clowney has still not been signed by a team, which I understand. He's probably going to want a bag. And he, with that bag comes along responsibilities. You can't just get a $100 million bag or however many years you want to give him because he's still young. He's only 27. So if he wants, say, a $100 million contract over however many years, four years, who cares, whatever the contract may be, you can't really give that money as an NFL GM to a guy like Clowney when his main issue is, oh, he has motor issues. Sometimes he doesn't go all the way. Sometimes he can get lazy and he won't attack the ball the way he does in certain situations. You can't give that kind of money to a guy like that. So I understand why teams are being hesitant. But at the same time, Clowney could always be like, hey, man, I understand that people don't want to give me money. They think I have motor issues and they think I don't always want to get after the quarterback all the time or want to get after the bar. I don't play as hard as I should. Jadavian Clowney can always sign one of those prove a deals, similar to the way that Boogie Cousins signed the deal when he went to Golden State and wanted to prove to everybody that I'm still good enough. I'm still worth max money like I was when I played for the Pelicans. Jadavian Clowney could always take less money and sign with a contender. These are the things that you just don't know that happen. It usually doesn't happen as often in football, but it is completely possible. He could completely do it, ball out for a year, get his money, and then go back into his old ways. Who knows? But they still have no home. Could be possibly signed with a contender. Same goes for Everson Griffin, the former defensive end for the Vikings. Uh, I think Everson Griffin is one of the most underrated edge rushers or defensive ends or whatever you want to call him in the league even though he's 32 he probably might not get that much money but for his age he is extremely productive he wasn't as productive as his teammate was Daniel Hunter last year but he was still fantastic he still generated a lot of pressure he still got after the quarterback and at certain times Everson Griffin was absolutely unblockable like there would be times where it didn't matter who you put on him two people one people is going to split the double team he's just going to crush it at certain times and I think that alone is worth giving him a chance, giving him a contract to whatever team he goes to. Hopefully he signs with contender. I would love to watch him and play in the playoffs again because even against the 49ers, even though the Vikings lost, Everson Griffin was fantastic. He was getting pressure all game. And I don't know, man. I just I would really love to see him with the contender. Uh, the same goes for a guy that mo a lot of people aren't talking about. You'll hear more Ziggy Ansah and you'll hear more Everson Griffin and Jadavian Clowney than Jabal Sheard out of Indiana, or not out of Indiana, but he played for the Indianapolis Colts. No clue what college he went to. But Jabal Sheard is a very underrated edge defender. Uh, like, I don't know why. I wish I did. Darius Leonard gets more attention being the better edge hybrid linebacker guy in Indianapolis. But Jabal Sheard is a very underrated edge rusher. He is 31 years old. 
So I don't know. Maybe that's why teams aren't really looking at him like that. But should that be the reason? Ah, man, I don't know. I, I would definitely give him a look. I don't know. If he does sign with a contender, I would expect their defense to improve immediately. I'm not going to say it's going to be a dramatic jump, but adding Jabal Shear to a defense that needs an edge rusher is definitely an improvement over not having a significant edge rusher at all. And now, uh, at the time of writing this, I, Todd Gurley was actually a free agent, and I had written down that the two places I would love to see him go to are the Falcons and the Dolphins. I understood that the Dolphins had signed Jordan Howard, at the time, and I was like, uh, yeah, that's great. A lot of teams are starting to run that two-back system. Even the Chargers were running it last year pretty effectively when they had Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler in the game at the same time. I think the Broncos were trying to do it, too. They're trying to get somebody to pair with Phillip Lindsey. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's a good system to run, having a guy that can catch the ball out the backfield and also a guy that's a real downhill runner and then can take those beat-em-up beat up yards where you only need like one or two yards, but you need to push the pile. That would be great. I was like, oh, Todd Gurley, Jordan Howard, boom, I'd sign up for that immediately. Sign me up. Those are two great running backs. So it'd be great in Miami. But the second team I had down is the team that he actually signed with, the Atlanta Falcons. Even though he has knee issues or arthritis in his knees or whatever it may be, Todd Gurley, is when healthy, he is effective. And I'm assuming that given the amount of time that we will be away from football. He will have enough time to heal completely and be effective and giving Matt Ryan as many weapons as possible, especially when he had Devonta Freeman, the remnants of Devonta Freeman anyway. It's just he needed a running back badly. And I understand that the Rams kind of gave up on him due to his injury history, and they've been trying to find a back to replace him for a little while now since the Super Bowl, since he was barely even healthy then. Like, I understood that they were probably going to move on from him, but signing with the Falcons is pretty cool. Now Matt Ryan has a great wide receiver court and a great running back. Uh, the the offensive line is still man. They I understand they had some injuries, but okay, I understand that. And then their their defense is questionable. Grady Jarrett is fantastic. I will say that I've uh, the the Lions signed Desmond Trufant, and watching Desmond Trufant's tape, nothing more jumped off the film to me than watching Grady Jarrett absolutely wreak havoc up the middle. He is probably the second best interior interior pass rusher in the league, second to Aaron Donald. He is absolutely fantastic. But yeah, that was pretty cool. But at the time we ran it down, 26 moves were made. And I hated some of them. I love some of them. Some teams got finessed. Other teams significantly improved. And I'm going to start with the Dolphins. Actually, I am going to start with Tom Brady. Because this is probably the news that caught most people by surprise. And it was him announcing that he was leaving the Patriots. At first, nobody knew what team he was going to go to. Uh, at first, he was an Instagram post, and he was thanking the organization, the fans, everybody saying, my next destination will continue to play football, but it won't be in New England with the Patriots. And I never believe TB12 would go to Tampa Bay. Like It is... I don't know. I, I, I admittedly never thought he would leave New England at all. I thought it was going to be like what Peyton Manning what I thought Peyton Manning's career was going to be like, that he would never leave Indianapolis. I never thought he was going to go to the Broncos and have a fantastic year. I thought Peyton Manning was just going to stay with the Colts forever and ride off into the sunset. I thought the exact same thing with Tom Brady. I thought all of this was just an attempt to gain more control over the roster I, just for the last few years that he'd be in the league. 
whether he has one, two, or three more years left. I thought he just wanted some roster control. I wanted to try and get himself some more weapons to try and be at least a competent offense because at some point down the line last year, their offense literally could do nothing. So I just thought that the Pats would be like, you know what? Sure, man, you gave us 20 hard years of your life or 20 hard years of the life and the game. And it's like, I thought that was going to happen. But what I didn't realize is that Bill Belichick really did want to get rid of Brady a few years ago. And that Tom Brady also did want to move on from being attached to his name. Because it's almost like if you've ever seen that episode of Everybody Hates Chris, where even if they just see Chris or if they just see his best friend Greg, they'd be like, oh, hey, Chris and Greg. Or it's like, well, I'm going to Greg Nutty with me. That's how it is with Tom Brady. It's like whenever you mention Tom Brady, you got to mention Bill Belichick. It's like, well, Tom Brady's great, but he also has the greatest coach of all time. It's like, well, yeah, Bill Belichick is great, but could he do it without Tom Brady? And now we get to see that in this upcoming season. We get to see what they can do without each other. And initially, just like everyone else, without insider knowledge, of course, I was shocked. I, I just didn't think it was going to happen. Like, I wasn't devastated shocked. I was just like, oh, wow. As wow, like he actually left. That's interesting. And then when he didn't sign with the Chargers and instead signed with the Buccaneers, that's when I was like, interesting. Because I I thought that hey, if he leaves, I think he's gonna go to the Chargers. They've got pretty much everything you need to be a playoff contender besides a really good offensive line. It's like, well, they have the sixth pick, they could always trade down, get more assets, draft offensive line real hard. Cool, problem solved. But then he went with the Buccaneers. I was I was thinking in my head already, well, the Chargers, the way they stand already, plus Tom Brady, a quarterback that they need, plus the sixth pick, they could either grab Isaiah Simmons and have just an absolutely disgusting defense, or they could trade that pick, get more assets, and draft offensive line hard. I think that's an immediate playoff contender, no doubt. But with the Bucs, I, I have complete faith in Tom Brady's ability to run the Bucs offense and because Bruce Arians is a fantastic head coach, and I I've, I've have absolutely complete faith in their offense being one of the 10 best offenses in the league, 15 best at worst. And they have plenty of weapons. Uh, they can always draft offensive linemen. Their offensive linemen is probably the weakest point of their offense. You could always just sign a running back from free agency if you didn't like Ronald Jones, which there's nothing wrong with Ronald Jones. He's a, he's a competent running back. But if you didn't like that, then I... If you didn't like the offense and the way the offense was set up, then the defense will be even more concerning for you because their their linebacker corps, A plus, Levante David and the kid out of LSU Devin White that they got last year, both of them have been fantastic. And then they get to retain Shaq Barrett, who just came off of uh, almost did he have twenty six? I don't I don't know. Yeah, I think he led the league in sacks with nineteen and a half because I know that Chandler Jones had eighteen, and I know he had more than Chandler Jones. So I want to say that Shaq Barrett had nineteen and a half sacks. So their edge linebacker core is fine. They re-signed and Dominic Sue. He can go right next to Vita Vey on the outside in the three four system, and it's like. Well, yeah, that works. The D-line, their front seven, perfectly fine. Then you get to the corners, and it's like you're, con- you're truly concerned because they drafted a corner last year, which fantastic Sean Murphy Bunting. He had a good year, and it's fine. But then you look at everyone else, their safeties, their corners, slot corners. It's just like, ugh. This is disgusting. Like, like, who who are these dudes? Like, they're just not good. Like, I even went, I even went back as far as like, hey, maybe I don't know their names, and maybe they are they're good, and no one's heard of them. 
But no, these they're, they're, they're constantly out of their zones. They're not making the right plays. They're not incredibly football savvy. Sean Murphy Bunting is really good. I like Sean Murphy Bunting. I didn't see much of Jamil Dean. They also got him last year, kid out of Auburn, and he's fine. But Carlton Davis is not a great starting corner. You're probably going to need to draft a cornerback in this draft. Luckily, they do have the 15th pick. Initially, I thought they were going to go defensive tackle heavy and try and get a guy like Javon Kinlaw, but then they re-signed Adonikin Sue, so I was thinking, okay, well, their defensive front is fine. Unless they want to replace William Golston, then, yeah, go for Kinlaw. Kinlaw's fantastic. But with the 15th pick, surely you can get the second-best corner available. You can get a, try and get a guy like C.J. Henderson. You could try and get a guy that's my cornerback, too, on the board, and Christian Fulton. You could go a multitude of ways, or you could always trade back and see what that can get you or try and trade for another corner hell play your luck for logan ryan who's still a free agent or maybe you like what xavier rose can do even though xavier rose is absolutely awful and should probably retire because the season he had last season was absolutely terrible but i don't know it's you i just unless they sign a guy out of free agency who's available and can at least be competent i'm not sure what they do if they don't draft corner. I think their corners are going to be toast for most of the season. I think their secondary is going to be awful. I don't think they're going to get that much pressure on the quarterback, even though Shaq Barrett had 19 sacks. All of those sacks were not him just being an absolute force. A lot of his sacks were off free runs at the quarterback. So there's still that dynamic to it. But still, all in all, it'll be extremely interesting to watch and see how Tom Brady and Bill Belichick both perform without each other for the first time in 20 NFL seasons. And now I'm going to start with one of, one of the teams I actually liked the moves that they did in free agency. Uh, it's Miami. Uh, Miami pretty much needed everything under the sun. They literally had pretty much close to nothing to deal with. Their, their wide receiver course is very good. I'll give them that. Their wide receiver corp is good. They have a good veteran quarterback to help with whoever they happen to draft in six days. That's all great. Uh, they, uh, but other than that, uh, their linebacker core isn't terrible. Their defensive line is not good. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. It's not good. Their corners are not great. Uh, they think they cut a keep to leave. And Xavier Howard had a down year compared to last year. Last year, people were talking about him like one of the five best corners in the league. This year, not so much. But, hey, corners are a very hard position to play. I understand. You can always bounce back next season. That's fine. But they did hit the ground running, and I like that. Other than giving Eric Flowers a three-year, $30 million deal with $21 million guaranteed, absolute head-scratcher, I would not give Eric Flowers any money after what he produced to tackle. I understand that they're moving him to guard. Maybe he'll be better there, but given that Eric Flowers is an absolute 300-pound turnstile, I would not have given him any money at all. Outside of that, they signed Jordan Howard, Emmanuel Ogba, Shaq Lawson, Kyle Van Noy, and Byron Jones, all under 30, all should play up to their contract they signed. These are all very good signings for a team that's trying to rebuild. They got a bunch of guys on good deals under 30, except for the Byron Jones deal. They may have slightly overpaid for Byron Jones, but that's okay. They literally had oodles of money to spend, so I understand. I doubt these signings have an immediate impact. I'm not saying that the Miami Dolphins will jump from a 2- or 3-win team, however many wins they had last year, to a 7-win team. I don't think so, but these are very good contracts, and this is a very good start 
to a rebuild, especially with all the draft capital that they have. Should they not want Tua anymore and should they want to trade back, they can do that. Should they want to trade up and make sure that they get Tua, they can do that. And they'd still have plenty of drafts left, plenty of picks left in the draft to do whatever they want and fill in the gaps as they see fit. Now, stop, we're going to stop talking about stuff I like. We're going to start talking about stuff that I hate. Oh, my Lord. Uh, what, what, what? It's going to stress me out talking about this. Texans. What what are you doing? You're not the Texans. I won't blame the Texans. I will blame Bill O'Brien. I said that the Texans should have made, moved on from Bill O'Brien as their head coach after the playoffs last year because there were too many times during the playoffs where you would just see Bill O'Brien in a situation where they clearly should have done one thing and Bill O'Brien did another. Like There was a time where they were playing the Chiefs and they were going for it on a fourth down and five on a fake punt but didn't go for it on the fourth and one instead they kicked a 40-yard field goal which they made the field goal sure fine but playing a team like the Chiefs and you know you have to keep your foot on their neck at all times and you're already up 21 nothing going for it does no harm when you're up 21 to nothing on a fourth and one where you could do a quarterback sneak but going for it on a fourth and five on a fake punt when the 40 when the not the 49ers when the Chiefs just scored back to back and have plenty of momentum and can tie up the game those are the boneheaded decisions that Bill O'Brien made in that game and made our playoffs he made it in the game before and he got bailed out because the Bills build the game like the Bills just did not play fantastic down the stretch but he topped that they didn't fire him they actually gave him a promotion and they made him the general manager of the team and the head coach of the team. And his first move as the general manager of the team is he traded the best non-quarterback on the entire roster for the offense. Literally Deshaun Watson's best weapon, the best on the entire roster that he could have gave Deshaun Watson. He traded for David Johnson, one of the most overpaid running backs in the league and injury prone, and a second round pick. That was it. And it was highlighted that it was a terrible trade when they went back. And not even 10 minutes later, and, and they traded, not, not them, but the Vikings traded Stefan Diggs and got a first-round pick from the Bills. And now we look back at that trade, and it's like, you couldn't even get a first-rounder for one of the three best wide receivers in football? That is a fireable offense, and this move didn't get him fired. And then he doubled down and went and got a guy in Brandon Cooks who's had more concussions than I'm sure any receiver in league history, maybe. People be trying to hit Brandon Cooks like he stole something, and they, they, they went and traded for him. They gave, the second, gave their own second rounder, not the second rounder they got for David Johnson. They gave their own second rounder for Brandon Cooks, whose contract is even bigger the new Hopkins and I just don't understand why he is even a part of a football like I don't I don't get it that maybe maybe that's why I'm not the owner of a team because maybe I that just makes too much sense a guy who clearly doesn't understand how football operations work shouldn't run my football operations but I don't know maybe that just makes too much sense the Texans are having a terrible free agency I am one thousand percent that Deshaun Watson probably does not want to be there 
he probably is looking at this and is like, yeah, get me out of here as soon as possible. I I really feel bad for him, man. And I'll do another one that I don't like since we're talking about Deshaun Watson. The team that probably should have drafted Deshaun Watson instead of Mitch Trubisky, the Chicago Bears have not had a good free agency. Uh, One, they traded for Nick Foles the season after he was benched for a six-round pick. My man, the mustache in Jacksonville and Gardner Minshew. When Cam Newton was an available free agent and also an available free an available option for trade, the, the Carolina Panthers were literally trying to give him away for free. And instead of going to get him, they went and got Nick Foles. And I understand the argument that Nick Foles is a Super Bowl champion. He led the Eagles to a Super Bowl. They wouldn't have won a Super Bowl without him. I just... But do you think he could do that for an entire season when the entire NFL has film on him and not just for a playoff run? I just I don't. I personally don't. Do I think Cam Newton could lead the Chicago Bears to a playoff a playoff run? Absolutely do. Their defense is fantastic. Their offense has plenty of weapons. Uh, I don't know if they brought back Anthony Miller or not. I also don't know if they brought back um, Taylor Gabriel or not. But AR-12, Allen Robertson is a absolutely fantastic receiver. Uh, for some reason, they gave the corpse of Jimmy Graham money, the, which is amazing to me. Whoever his agent is, uh, give him a raise. I would like him to be my agent because he clearly is going to get whoever, however much money. Absolutely fantastic job by his agent. But giving Jimmy Graham money in 2020 sh- should be a fireball offense. Jimmy Graham is awful. He has been washed up for years now. Don't know how he even got an offer. Uh, even though they signed Robert Quinn, who had a great year in Dallas last season. And they re-signed Danny Trevathan, who was also a great off-ball linebacker. They're both solid moves. They still have a hole at safety. They still have a hole at cornerback. They still have a hole at guard. They still need a wide receiver, too. They lack plenty of draft capital because of that trade they did with Khalil Mack. I don't think they have a pick until the third round. And they are at the bottom of the league in cap. So getting Nick Foles instead of trying to get Cam Newton via trade, I just, I don't understand it, man. I really don't understand it. Hopefully, they figure it out. Hopefully, they figure out something to do. Because if not, I think the Chicago Bears window for a championship run or even a playoff run is closing extremely fast. I thought their window was going to be about three years. Uh, so the first year, Cody Parkey happened. Second year, they realize Mitchell Trubisky is not good at football. Third year, they have Nick Foles, kind of the same defense. Uh, still, everybody, everybody's a year older. They don't have a safety outside of Eddie Jackson. Couldn't tell you who their corners are. They have a huge hole at guard since Kyle Long retired. They didn't bring back Taylor Gabriel. I, I don't know what they're going to do when they finally get on the board. I don't know if they're going to try and trade up. But the Chicago Bears had a very, very disappointing free agency, in my opinion. Now we're going to go back to a guy that I actually liked, or a team rather that I actually liked. The Los Angeles Clippers. That is not Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Chargers. That will never roll off my tongue easily at all. I grew up watching LT play for the San Diego Chargers. So my initial reaction is to always say San Diego. And whenever I hear Los Angeles I don't think of football. I think of basketball. I'm thinking L.A. Lakers. I'm thinking L.A. Clippers. I don't want to say Los Angeles Rams because when I grew up, they were playing in St. Louis. Also, I don't want to say Los Angeles Chargers because that makes no sense. They should not be playing there. They should be in San Diego. 
but still the Los Angeles Chargers, since I am being forced to say this. Arguably the best free agent class haul, and they still have about $22 million in cap should they want to go try and get Cam Newton, and they have the six-round pick. Fantastic moves. Whether they try and get Cam or draft uh, Herbert or Tua, whoever falls to them, and let him sit behind Tyrod Taylor for a year until they're ready or however long until they're ready because I do believe that Tyrod Taylor is a capable quarterback. Um, I think that the free agent hall outside of him was fantastic because they finessed Tri Turner, the guard from Carolina, and they gave him Russell Okung, who's injury prone and also regressed severely as he's gotten older. They also signed Linval Joseph, the defensive tackle uh, from the Vikings, and they could pair him right alongside Jerry Tillery and put him on the other side of the Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Fan, fan, fantastic defensive line, absolute threat. They got Austin Eckler to a great deal, and they also bolstered their line even more, signing Brian Bulaga from the Packers, all to team-friendly deals. They got them all to team-friendly deals and able to keep that amount of cap and the sixth pick, so they have enough money to sign their picks. Whatever they do with their sixth pick, I don't know. But imagine if they sign Cam Newton and they draft Isaiah Simmons at six. Oh, my goodness. They would be one of my favorites to compete out of the AFC. It would easily be them, Baltimore, the Chiefs. Easily my top three favorites to come out of the, come out of the AFC. It's just, man, that would be absolutely fantastic. Keep it going with the positivity, and I'll go to another team that I like uh, whose free agency so far I've been impressed with. I don't know if they'll make any more moves. I doubt it. But the Broncos, the Denver Broncos, they kept Justin Simmons. I thought that was going to be huge, keeping Justin Simmons. I know a lot of teams were going to want Justin Simmons. He's, he played fantastic. He's a great free safety. Uh, so I'm very glad that they kept him, keep the defense good up in the back. And then they also got Jarrell Casey via trade, and they got A.J. Bouye. So now they have A.J. Bouye and Jarrell Casey. Unfortunately, they don't have Chris Harris Jr. anymore because he plays for the Chargers. Another fantastic move by the Chargers. But thankfully, they did get A.J. Bouye. They have Gerald Casey. And they also grabbed one of the best guards available. They needed offensive line help very, very badly. They got Graham, Graham Glasgow after he got released by the Lions. Great pickup by the Broncos. Terrible loss by the Lions. And they also capitalized on Melvin Gordon's down year and got him on a team-friendly deal. They still do have plenty of cap. They have about $21 million of cap, which is good. I'm not sure how much that'll be after the draft is over and they sign all their rookies. I'm not sure how much draft capital they have. I do know that they have the 11th pick, and or not the 11th pick. Uh, I think they have a top 15. Either way, whether it's 11 or not, I know it's top 15. And if Henry Ruggs should fall to them at that spot, Please draft him. Please give Henry, not Henry Rux, please give Drew Locke as many weapons as possible. Don't make the mistakes as team of teams who don't give their quarterbacks any weapons. You, are, you guys already have a good tight end in George Fant. He had a solid year. Uh, if he can sure up on those drops, he'd probably be a very good tight end. Not all pro level, but very good. He'd be in the hall of very good. Uh, they also have Cortland Sutton, fantastic wide receiver one. Getting Henry Ruggs as a burner on the outside. Teams are really going to love those those burner types of guys after what Tyreek Hill has done in the league. And also Marquise Brown, uh, I think he's going to end up a very, a very, very, very good receiver when those burner types and teams are really going to start loving those kind of receivers. So I think if they can do that and they can get Henry, Bar- Henry Ruggs at whatever pick they have, that would be absolutely fantastic for Drew Locke and their offense would be really good. 
Their offensive line would be so much better, and Drew Locke would have plenty of time to throw. Thankfully, tired of seeing quarterbacks get drafted behind off- terrible offensive lines. So that's also the same thing I'm praying for Kyler Murray and them, man. I hope the Cardinals start drafting O-line. I hate for Kyler Murray's career to end up the same way Russell Wilson has, where the team is just like, ah, you're mobile enough to make a play. Just who cares if we draft your O-line? Anyways, I'm going to move on to the Falcons and the Vikings. I did not like their free agency moves. I think both of those teams are free agency losers. While the the Falcons did get Todd Gurley, and they replaced Austin Hooper, which, okay, I get it. And then the Vikings, they got a first-rounder for Stephon Diggs. Okay, this is a very deep wide receiver class. Understand it. They could always go with any of the wide receivers that are available, or they could replace Limbaugh Joseph, replace Everson Griffin, or I don't know. They could go plenty of ways. They also retain their picks, so they have two first-round picks. They could always trade up if they had a guy in mind that they really liked. And they also retain Anthony Harris, which I thought was a fantastic move, probably an underrated move. If you don't know who Anthony Harris is, he's a safety. He's a very good, very underrated safety. Helped them win in the playoff game against the Saints. Picked off Drew Brees. I thought that was a really crucial interception when he picked off Drew Brees uh, right before the half when Deontay Harris or whatever the kicker returner's name is for the Saints returned the ball all the way down to the 40-yard line, and the Saints were pretty much in field goal range. And Drew Brees threw that shot deep to Ted Jen, and Anthony Harris picked it off. I thought that was a key moment in the game to keep them to keep the points off the board going and keep the lead going into the half. That was absolutely fantastic. Anthony Harris is a very good free safety. But for me, these teams are kind of in the same spot as far as I'm concerned. Uh, neither have much cap space to work with. Uh, for the Vikings, at least they have draft capital. They have plenty of draft picks. They could always move up, always fill the holes that they have. But in the Falcons' case, they kind of don't. And even though the Vikings have plenty of draft capital, you can't just assume that they're going to hit on all their draft picks. The draft picks mean nothing if you pick the wrong guy every single time. So I wish them the best, but neither of them have much have much cap space. So they're kind of relying on a bunch of rookies to do the work and fill the holes, which in the NFL doesn't work out too well i understand in basketball it can work sometimes you could put a rookie on a team and he played fine but football is such a team game such a high iq game that you can't really ask a rookie to step into the role of a starting cornerback corner is one of the hardest positions to learn in the nfl and then they all they have two first they had they gave up pretty much nothing to get rid of stefan Diggs. so even though you have two first round picks i mean it's like eh like, are you going to hit on both of your picks? Are you going to fill in all the holes? Are you going to get a corner that can come in and start day one? Are you going to try and play your luck and see if you can get Logan Ryan on a very team-friendly deal or try and get Prince of Mukamara or take your chances on Aqib Tlaib at 34? Or I don't know. Like, there's plenty that they still need, both of these teams. Uh, the Falcons have so many holes and so little capital, whether that be draft capital or cap space. I don't know what they think they can do. I don't see it as them being able to do much, but yeah, I don't know. I think both of those teams are in very, very sticky situations, unfortunately. And also, while I'm on the topic of free agents that might sign for cheap, uh, there are a few guys that I think could possibly sign for cheap and help teams out. 
So Snacks Harrison is one of the guys at the top of the list. He's a 31-year-old defensive tackle. He played for Detroit last season. Kind of had a down year. I uh, thought about retiring once the season was over. Talked about he didn't really, really wasn't given the game his all, but he's still available, still wants to play. He's still noted that he wants to play. He was effective at times last year, so I think a team may give him a chance if he signs for cheap. Aqib Tlaib is also on that list, as I mentioned. I think he might sign for cheap. He is 34 years old. If he does want some money, uh, holla at you, man. Uh, we'll, we'll force you into retirement. I don't think any team is going to give him the big bag if he wants that. Uh, Timmy Jernigan, for some reason, is still a free agent. Uh, Timmy Jernigan is a very good, underrated interior defender. Uh, not sure if he will get signed. I'm not, I hope he does. He's, he's really good. I hope he signs with a contender. Honestly, he'd make a team great immediately, even if he's just a part of a sub package. I think he would be fantastic on a team. Uh, Delaney Walker got cut by the titans which surprised me actually i i didn't think he was going to get cut i thought they were going to keep delaney walker and jonu smith but they did cut him he is 36 and he is injury prone so he could probably sign somewhere cheap uh, even if he starts he'll probably get hurt so there's that but also jason peters the no matter how old he gets he's still fantastic it's just a matter of whether he's going to be on the field or not jason peters is i believe 38 or 39 years old very injury prone, but when he's out there, he's still one of the best left tackles in the league. So he could always sign somewhere that direly needs help. Uh, I know the Buccaneers need a right tackle. They they re-signed Donovan Smith for some reason. Donovan Smith is absolute food. I don't I don't know why they re-signed, bro. But hey, Godspeed to him. Get your bread, young man. But they do still need a right tackle. Maybe Jason Peters is willing to make the switch for the money. Um, I don't know. He can sign a plethora of places. And then Mike Daniels, another defensive tackle who could sign somewhere. He's the same age as Snacks, 31 years old. Uh, the past two seasons, he's been hurt and has been on the field very often. In Detroit, he was on the field maybe 25 to 33% of the time, which isn't great. So you're probably not going to get a lot of money that way. I think last year he was on a, a prove-it deal. He was on like a $2 million deal. or So it was like, eh, I mean, I guess. Like somebody might take a chance at him. And then DeMar Dotson. Also getting up there in age, but still a very, very, very good right tackle. And then there's still some guys that just haven't been signed. They just might not get the bag that they want. Ryan Khalil used to be a really good center that played for the Panthers. Um, Cameron Wake. Cameron Wake is pretty good. He's he's definitely old, though. He, he might even retire, honestly. I think a lot of these guys, if they don't get signed anywhere, they might retire. Even Vernon Davis retired. He's only 36. So guys like Tremont Williams, who's been playing forever, uh, and then shit, I, I I just I just don't know, man. I don't I don't see guys that are like 31 years old retiring. So they'll probably sign somewhere for cheap, and hopefully they sign with contenders. I, I want to see all these guys on teams with contenders, not just not just I just want to see these guys win somewhere, man. But yep, that's all I got to talk about. You'll probably hear from me within the next day or so talking about the draft i have plenty of draft stuff left i have so much draft content for you guys but anyways i appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in i'm done done taking up your time you guys can go on about your business keep doing what you're doing uh, appreciate the support I i'm back pretty consistently now so appreciate each and every one of you again this is miles wilson with the judgment call podcast and i'll hear from you when you hear from me. peace